Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, podcast mountain bike listeners. Thanks for being here and welcome to episode number 49 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I am here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved and hopefully getting you encouraged to get outside off the sofa from behind that computer, off your phone, whatever keeps you from the trails. This podcast is here to hopefully motivate you and get you out pushing those pedals breathing some fresh air, having some good times with your buddies and your mates and being more social than just on social media. So thanks for being here. If you're a new listener, thanks and welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. And if you're a long time listener, as always, much appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here. Now, if you want to get more involved in the show, you can do so by going to the website, which is mtb-tribe.com. You can subscribe to the show there. You will get one email a week, a synopsis of just who's on the show. You can access the show directly from the email and have a listen from there. It's all easy, all fun. There's no hassle. There's no bombardment of emails and nothing like that. It's all very much just based around the podcast. And as more info comes in and stuff, I may send you out a, an email every now and then, but I'm saying very, very rarely. So don't worry about getting your inbox full with emails from the MTB Tribe podcast. It just won't happen. Um, you can also follow the show on socials of course instagram and facebook is at mtb tribe uh, you can listen to the show via the website you can listen to it on itunes stitcher and now spotify so it is available on spotify if you're a spotify listener just search for mtb tribe and it should pop up and for those of you that are leaving reviews on itunes and sharing with friends etc i really do appreciate that that is the best way for the show to be seen so that more people can get involved and we can spread the message a wee bit further so please rate the show on itunes five stars always please five stars and i share with friends i'd really appreciate that now on to today's show and on episode number 49 we are chatting with Jez and Bruno about the relatively new business venture called Rhythm and Bikes Bicycle Repair Shop. I was put in touch with Jez and Bruno by Tom, founder of Broken Riders, who I had on the show in episode number 38, so you can go back and check that out if you wish. But I was keen to get them on the show and tell their story because it is an example of the power in following your passions and doing something in life that you enjoy. Because Jez and Bruno gathered up their courage a few months ago and decided to take the leap and open their own bicycle repair shop following a lifelong passion of riding and working on bikes. We chat to them about where the idea came from, what made them take that scary leap of faith, how they find being their own bosses, and maintenance packages that they offer, plus much, much more. It is a really good insight into how two generally average guys follow their passion, open their own bike store, 
and the different ways in which they're doing it. It's very much back to old school, which I love. And um, it was a real pleasure chatting to the guys. They seem to be really switched on and doing things right there. So I will stop talking now and let Jez and Bruno do the chatting. And let's welcome Jez and Bruno to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi guys, Jez and Bruno, welcome very much to the uh, MTB Tribe podcast. How's things with you guys today there? Good, yeah, yeah, busy. <laughs> Rocket bikes out the back to fix, so yeah, it's all good. Yeah, very happy. <laughs> it's one of those old scenarios, you're tripping over bikes every morning, you get into the store, is that the way it is? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, we're very lucky, mate. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's exactly the problem we, we want to have. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so guys, listen. You just have your own bike repair shop there called Rhythm and Bikes, and Tom Redfern from Broken Riders asked me to get you on. He thought you guys were cool. You had a good story. You had a good store there. Um, so, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Mate, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, um, yeah we flattered. So. Yeah. Yeah, Tom's been a uh, big help in getting us set up as well. In fact, you can see his work in the background because he did our logo um, and helped us sort of the website and all that sort of stuff uh, for free because he's that kind of friend. So he's now got free bike repairs for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a win-win, isn't it? You guys get some T-shirts and stuff and he gets his bike. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stickers are on their way and T-shirts is next on the list for sure. Oh, excellent, excellent. Well, guys, just... You are in Brighton, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Yep, on Lewis Road in Brighton. Okay, cool. And what's the, what's the mountain bike scene like there in Brighton? Oh, Brighton's great for bikes. Um, yeah. Whether it's, you know, that we've got cycle lanes everywhere. People use bikes just as a general way of getting around. The, uh, the city launched like our version of Boris Bikes, um, the Brighton Bike High Scheme, and it's massive. Uh, I believe it's one of the best... Uh, it's had the quickest take-up of any scheme in the UK. Yeah, um, there's. Um, I was speaking to one of the guys the other day. There's just under twenty-six thousand people signed up hmm. to the actual scheme. Yeah, so that's ten percent of the local population. They had a day. We, we've got a rank just outside, so we see their lorry come up and either drop bikes off or take them away as they redistribute them. And they, I was chatting to one of them the other day. They said they'd had two thousand rides in a day. Which for a city of only a quarter million people is is amazing. So, so yeah, it's great for bikes. And there's there's several like road cycling clubs here, and there's um, a couple of mountain bike clubs, and just there's great riding. Yeah, we've got the South Downs on our doorstep, um, and we've got local woods where there's trails. Whether you want gentle stuff or slightly bigger stuff, um, we've kind of got that covered. Um, so yeah, it's a good place for riding bikes. Yeah, great place for riding on the road as well. The wheels, the wheels is accessible within 20 minutes from Brighton. Um, got some great climbs. Uh, it's just yeah, we've got beautiful countryside. We, we really are spoiled down here. Uh, mountain bikers have got everything from single track to the really gnarly stuff. That <laughs> really gnarly stuff. I've been standing. Yeah, so we, we yeah. It's it's uh, got the potential to be a cycling paradise. Mm. Yeah, cool. And I take it your roads and stuff have all bike lanes and things like that around the town and, and, and all that kind of facility set up? 
We do. Uh, we, you know, it's a mixture of um, sustrans cycle lanes and uh, council cycle lanes as well. It is getting better. Um, you know, there's there's massive roadworks happening on our road that we're on at the, at the moment, Lewis Road, because of a massive development that's happening, a new student accommodation development. Um, but they're redesigning some of the major intersections as well. And every time the last couple of big infrastructure projects on our road, at least, um, were one of the priorities was to improve the cycle lanes um, and to make them safer. So there is a greater awareness and things are getting better. And yeah, infrastructure, which is why, why it's so exciting that the um, bike hire scheme is doing so well, because if the bike hire scheme does so well, then or does well, then hopefully it will um, influence the improvement of our um, local infrastructure to make it safer for cyclists, you know? Yeah, cool. And just just a side topic then on the hire bikes, who that's run by the council there, who maintains them? Uh, so there's another um, repair outfit on the other side of town in Hove uh, called South Coast Bikes. Uh, they've been around for a few years, um, and they basically the, the council put it out to tender, and various people, you know, uh, chuck their hat in the ring, and they got the deal. But they have it's a completely separate company because it's huge. They've got I don't know eight, ten employees. They've got lorries, vans, e-bikes going around, you know, doing servicing and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's big operation. Yeah. Wow! Wow! That, that's crazy. Okay. All right. And your your local mountain bike trails there are there yep. trail are there trail centers set up or is it just all maintained by the local? No, it's just it's just stuff in woods basically. So there's a big park um, just north of here, uh, literally up this road actually, uh, called Stammer Park. It's got some nice cross country stuff in it, and obviously there's the old little place where there's you know people have built the odd little jump or built, put in a berm. Um, it's all quite tight through the woods. Uh, wide handlebars can be a challenge. Um, <laughs> but it's nice. You know, we were up there yesterday because it's nice and dry. It's all chalky. So in the wet, it's horrible. But in the dry, it's, uh, it's hard packed and, and fast and yeah. dusty. Um, but then before you get there, there's a place called Wild Park, which is a, it's a steeper hillside. And so there's a bit more sort of downhill orientated stuff there. A lot more jumps, bigger jumps. Drops. steeper you know steeper trails um so that's a lot of fun it's a small area but we've we've happily spent a full day up there before yeah. um, you get a lot of bang for your buck yeah it's a short, short walk up to the top and uh because the hillside's so steep it's, it's, it's you can't you fun. can't pedal up really yeah. you, you, you're just pushing yeah um, and then and then come down but lots of little bits to session so again mainly for the dry really it can be a bit slippery in the wet but uh Although, yeah, obviously people do still ride it in the wet. Um, mm. But in it works, works really, really well. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, well, tell me this, guys. Do you see many young riders on the trails there? Uh, yeah, we see kids. I mean, you know, we go to Wild Park, I was just talking about, and uh, we see kids up there on, you know, on bikes where of uh, dubious origin, shall we say, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, often without helmets, just in tracksuits. Sending it, absolutely properly sending it. Wow. Um, and then obviously, you know, we, we see the local club guys come through and the people that we're with, that are, you know, what you might actually call mountain bikers uh, as opposed to just kids on bikes. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there's young people doing it for sure. And I think, you know, Brighton's a young town. Um, when I moved here 20 years ago, it had the lowest average age in the country. Average age in Brighton 20 years ago was 27. Uh, but actually that's crept up because 
a lot of those people, that's because people come here for university and they don't leave. You know, they make it their home. Um, and that really uh, ramps, you know, push that average age down. But now those people are getting older, they're more like our age, essentially, you know, in the mid 40s and got families. And so there's there's a lot of young children in Brighton. Um, the, all the primary schools like to um, you know, expand their numbers of classes and so on to accommodate it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a youthful place, um, uh, as well as the fact that we've got two universities you know, in, within the city limits, um, and it's, it's also party central, famously. Um, so it puts young people down, but then you know, people stay because, yeah, they've got the nightlife, they've got you know, all the kind of cultural stuff they might want to do. Um, but we're in a beautiful part of the world. You know, there's, the city's right by the sea. Uh, literally, you know, you take your average city with a city centre and then concentric circles coming out of that, chop that in half because that's the beach. You know, the city is right on the seafront, so you're never far away from getting away from concrete and looking at a natural view, whether it's on the seafront or immediately behind us, the downs, you know. Um, you know, we're, where we are, where the shop is, we are about a mile um, from the seafront. Um, and we are probably two miles, I would guess, maybe three miles from Stanmore Park, and that leads you straight out onto the South Downs. And then you've got the South Downs Way, um, which is, you know, it's not the most challenging riding, but it's it's long and the climbs are short but steep, which means the descents are short but steep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's there's heaps to do. And as we said, you know. We're also lucky because we can get to the Surrey Hills. Um, we go up the Surrey Hills quite a lot because, you know, obviously famous mountain biking area for the southeast. There's so much there. It's completely different to what you find um, down here because it's sandstone rather than short. Uh, so it's sandy soil and it's loamy rather than thick and claggy clay, which is what ends up locally. Um, and we can get, you know, we can get to Leith Hill in... Well, 35 minutes with a good run and a, and a heavy right foot. Um, so, yeah, and Peace Lake isn't that much further. Um, and, and then there's hours, hours of trails um, up there. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a home from home, to be honest. Um, we go up there most weeks. So, yeah we're, we're, yeah, we're lucky for that. We don't have any mountains, but we've got a lot of riding. Um, and different yeah. conditions, you know, uh, whether it's exposed ridgeline chalk downland uh, or you know, dense woodland and, and loamy soil and, and and jumps from small to enormous. Um, yeah, so it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. And, you know, it sounds like you have a, a great spot there and all the facilities are there, really. Do you see any of the any of the young guys, any of the young guys, are they ripping? Are they doing really well? Is that kind of younger generation coming up into the mountain biking scene, do you think? Um, I don't know, it's hard. I mean, I think, you know, you look at cycling as a whole in this country, and obviously there's much publicised. Mainstream press has covered the, the boom in cycling. But I, you, I think you can quite comfortably say that that has not been in mountain biking. Um, and certainly not in the southeast. Mountain biking has remained at a fairly level peg. But from 2008, you know, the Beijing Olympics, Chris Hoy winning all his goals, and then through to the London Olympics and Wiggins winning his tour, and all those things boosting the number of people on bikes of whatever type. But the real boost was from partly commuters, uh, because, you know, 
people are choosing to commute by bike, it seems a lot more, certainly in Brighton, certainly in London. Uh, but then on the enthusiast side, the boost was largely because it was inspired by you know the Olympics and by the Tour de France. The, the big boost was very much in road cycling. You know, I, would, I did yeah. 10 years at Evan Cycles. Um, so, you know, where you're, you're covering the full spectrum of cyclists of all different types, all different types of bikes, all different levels of uh, expertise and, and, and enthusiasm and all that sort of stuff. And, you, you know, the boom was road cycling and you don't have to drive very far in this country uh, on a weekend to, to see evidence of that. You know, pelotons of roadies out there doing their thing. Um, I think... You know, there, there was a bit of a switch of people you know, getting to a certain age and going, oh, mountain biking's a bit too hard work, it's a bit too dangerous, I'm just going to get on the road bike. And, you know, road cycling, you know, to an extent became the new golf, didn't it? Um, so, you know, but mountain biking never went away. And as we, you know, as we all know, as mountain bikers, actually mountain biking, not only is it a really exciting sport, it was always exciting sport, but the development as the bikes have developed and the trails have developed and, yeah, you look at the success of somewhere like um, Bike Park Wales, which is just such a phenomenal facility and a great, you know, we've all gone there and, you know, and put notches on that particular bedpost of, yeah, I've ticked off the blues right now, I'm ticking <laughs> off the reds, you know, oh, I need to go back, I want to hit that drop this time and not break and after whatever it is, you know, those challenges that, you know, Bike Park Wales, I don't think could have existed 20 years ago um, because the bikes weren't there and the, the level of interest. So, there might not be as many mountain bikers, but the mountain bikers there are are, are really taking it way beyond what we were doing even 10 years ago to an extent, you know. Mm -hmm. um, suspension, you know, suspension bikes are a new thing. I mean, I got my first suspension bike in 2000 and, you know, it was it was a real thing, you know, and it's and the development from what that was, it was a uh, four-inch travel kind of trail bike to what we have now, the, the, what the enduro bikes are capable of is... Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's exciting. They're wicked to ride. We go faster. We hit things harder. We jump further. We, you know, all the rest of it. And it's uh, and it's phenomenal. Um, in terms of numbers, though, I don't know. You know, and we're, uh, yeah. Any anytime we meet people, it's like, come out riding. You'll love it. And you know, <laughs> when was the last time you took someone on their first mountain bike ride and they went back and said, oh, nah, nah, wasn't all that exciting. Didn't not really that bothered. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, they like, they've got grins from ear to ear. Their eyes are out of stalks. They're like, "Oh my god, can I come again?" You know, um, yeah. we've got a young kid who you, the, the premises we're in is a used to be a bike shop that Bruno managed before. It was like a charity run, community based thing, mainly with volunteers. And one of his volunteers is this sixteen year old lad who's just uh, finished his GCSEs. He started hanging out with us two old blokes for some reason, something to do, I think. And uh, we said, oh, come riding. You know, he'd been out with us locally last summer. We said, come on the Surrey Hills. You know, you won't regret it. And sure enough, bottom of the first train, he's like, this is phenomenal. I never knew stuff like this existed. And, you know, it's uh, it's easy to win converts. you just got to get them out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, you know, the trails do it, do, it, do it for themselves, really. Yeah, right, because do you, do you think it's important for your business and for mountain biking in general the, the young guys are coming up through the ranks and getting interested yeah i mean we most definitely definitely if we you know things like bike park wales or you know, your local trails won't exist you know without weight of people saying we want this you know um because you know we need landowners and local councils and all the rest of it businesses to think this is something that we can um you know we need to accommodate um, because there's, you know, it's a good, it's, it's such a fantastic activity, you know. It's one of those few things in life that has no negative connotations. There's 100% positive, 
positive. Uh, everything about mountain biking, from being out, from being active, from being uh, more productive, from being, um, you know, mountain bikers from, 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 on, on um, majority of cases are very supportive of local um, initiatives. They help clean up. They uh, maintain the woods that they ride in. You know, it's a, it's, it's just a win-win. Um, yeah. Excellent. Cool. Well, guys, let's chat a wee bit about your background, then, if you don't mind, and on how the whole rhythm and bikes thing came to came to be. So, tell me about how you get started working in bikes and what your kind of background was. Uh, oh, where to start? Hey? Um, well, I guess we we need to do some individual histories a little bit. Um, so, I've been. A, I used to work in record shops um, until people stopped buying records and CDs in the early noughties um, and thought, well, what's my other passion? Bikes. Um, so I went and got a job with Evans um, and did about 10 years with them um, and then left and did a few other things, including working um, in this premises for a bit when it was the, the, the charity um, run community bike shop. Um, and Bruno was managing it. Um, and the charity, for various reasons, decided not to carry on with the, the enterprise they had here. And we'd had various conversations, you know, normally at the top of a climb, uh, getting ready for the descent where you ever sit down and a bit of a rest and, and talk nonsense. And, uh, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had our own bike shop? And if we had our own bike shop, we'd do it this way and we wouldn't do this, but we'd do that and that sort of thing. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we were both sort of facing... You know, I was facing redundancy. Uh, Bruno's, you know, the charity were pulling out, so Bruno was facing it as well. And we thought, oh, do we go and get jobs? Do we want to do that, or do we actually want to, you know, put a, you know, talk the talk a little bit, and uh, sorry, walk the walk, and not just talk the talk, um, and uh, and try and make a go of it ourselves. Um, and yeah, obviously, it's a it's a testing time for the bike industry. Um, you know, you hear stories all the time of bike shops and some pretty well-established bike shops closing um, a lot, you know, um, and, you know, big established businesses, you know, struggling for whatever reason, uh, declining bike sales or whatever. Um, and, you know, we felt the internet was playing a big part in that and we can't compete with that. You know, we uh, we had to beg, beg and borrow every penny to get ourselves set up. We didn't have capital ourselves. So we said, well, we're not going to sell bikes. Um, because we can't afford to. We haven't got the money to buy a load of bikes. And even if we did, um, we'd then be competing with everybody else that was selling that brand online without the overheads, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when you can buy, you know, big-name products from some of the big internet people like Chain Reaction or whatever at trade price, um, you know, there's there's a disconnect there. What can't you get online? You can't get service. You know, you can't walk in and chat to somebody. You can't get your bike fixed online. Um, and it's it was more of a, a reflection of where you know, retail generally is going. You walk down your local high street and you haven't got lots of stores with products on the shelves. You've got people selling services. It's hair salons, it's nail bars, it's coffee shops, all the things you can't do online. Can't have a coffee with a mate online. Can't go and buy a sandwich online. Can't get your haircut online. Can't get your bike fixed online. So we thought, we're just going to do servicing. Um, obviously, we sell parts because you know, most bikes when they get service need at least something changing, um, replacing. And if people come in and want to buy the parts we've got in stock, that's not a problem. Um, but yeah, what we're offering is our is our passion, our expertise, um, and uh, and yeah, so yeah, bicycle repair shop. That's us. 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, it, it sounds good. And did you always have a passion for working around bikes? Did you always fix your own bikes? You know, was it just a natural progression for you? Well, I think that's a mountain bikers thing, isn't it? You know, the, you know our bikes get so hammered, so dirty. You know, you can't. Yeah. You know, my chain gets clean pretty much every ride. You know, I'm not going to take it to a bike shop and pay them to clean the drivetrain after every single ride. So you learn to do it yourself. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And it's. I, it's actually part part of the. It was always part of the fun for me. You know that I do my ride, I get home, I have my food, I get my shower. And it's like right, let's sort the bike out. Um, and you know, as you know, from, from being a real novice, you know, every time you think right, you, you start with a chainsaw so you can break a chain and put it back on again, and then you think, oh, I need to get that cassette off. So then you go and find out that you need a lockering tool and a chain whip. So that's you learn to. And every time you buy a tool, you're learning how it works and what. You know, you, you, you're delving deeper and deeper into your bike, you know, about bottom brackets, you learn about hubs, pulling them apart, headsets, so on. And, and before you know it, you, know, you can completely dismantle and put back together a bike and you know how it works and why and all the rest of it. And it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was always, it was a hobby, really. You know, it was, it was part, part, part and parcel of, of, of being a mountain biker and getting your bike ready for the next ride. So, um, yeah, it was quite an organic thing um, in that respect. Um, and then you go and get a job, and then you learn about all the other kinds of bikes that you know you don't ride. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, road bikes are completely different, and you know BMXs are on another planet in terms of their standards and, and all the rest of it. And you, you you just gradually acquire the knowledge, and uh, and uh, until you use that tipping point when actually you know people are asking you questions rather than you asking them. Um, but you know, we, we we say to each other pretty much every day, we never stop learning always encountering either something you haven't seen before or you figure out a way of fixing something that you might have done a hundred times and then you suddenly go, oh, if I do that first and then do this bit, that works. It saves me time and it's a better result, you know. So um, that's that's what keeps it fun, you know. If we can't ride bikes, we can at least play with them all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when the time came, guys, who, who was the one that said, right, let's do this. Let's start our own business. Let's stop talking about it and let's start doing it. Uh, we came back from Bike Park Wells, didn't we, last yeah. September, and um, I already had my slide tech two anyway. Um, so you know, I thought, you know, we knew that at least we had the experience and the qualification to actually start. Um, Is that and we've been working on bikes for a while, and we just thought that the, you know, it just came at all. You know, it wasn't like one of us. I think it was just a it was the next. It was the next step. You know, um, we weren't happy with what we were doing. Um, I think we finally said, you know, having yeah, had all just, these kind of casual conversations, we came back from Bike Park Wales, which is always a high, and we, you know, big big group of friends out there. It was great. We came back, and we, were, you know, natural kind of like, oh, I haven't got that trip to look forward to anymore. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back at work. Oh, it's rubbish. Oh, what are we going to do? Right, let's. Let's do this properly. So I went around Bruno's one night with a big pile of blank sheets of paper, and Bruno yes. knew what the kind of running costs for this premises would be, so because he'd been managing them. So you know, we knew what the rent was, and you know what the kind of electricity and all the kind of rates and stuff. You know what the outgoings were going to be. So we uh, we then just did a bit of a rough calculation, kind of back yeah. of a bareback type thing. Okay, that's how many much money we need to you know, keep it rolling. How much money can we earn? And so we, we, we just worked out what we thought an average week could look like if we were just offering services, how many services we could do, yeah. how much we'd charge, you know, what the kind of average 
you know, part expenditure would be and that sort of thing. And does it add up? And, and you know, the first piece of paper is like, oh, we could make that work. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's to take that away from that and you're still left with that. And okay. So then we did it in a bit more detail. And, you know, because I, I, I'd managed Evan's stores, um, great education in, you know, using spreadsheets and planning and that sort of boring stuff mapped it out over three years and thought, right, does this work? Looks all right, show it to an accountant. She said, yeah, that looks pretty good. You know, that looks realistic. So then showed it to family and they said, yeah, okay, here's some money. Right, okay, right, better get a bank account. Went got a bank account, you know, fund a limited company. It's all of a sudden like, shit, this is happening. <laughs> looks like we're opening a bike shop, you know, and uh, and then it was, you know, it wasn't all plain sailing because, you know, we, we were originally hoping to open in, in January and, uh, you know, we didn't get the, the lease and the premises and finally got through the door in March and uh, and since then our, our, um, our feet haven't really touched the ground, to be honest. Um, you know, as soon as we were in, we were working 12, 14 hour days just painting, decorating, kissing it out, um, and uh, and then we were open. You know, it was just, let's get open, let's make some money here. Um, got to get the till ringing, uh, essentially. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's, uh, you know, it's, we've had, you know, straight away, first week, you know, we, we, we took some money. You know, it's, uh, we, we're not going to get rich off of this um, <laughs> at all. But if we can, you know, get past the first six months and then the first year, yeah, you know, those like usual like landmarks that where you know so many businesses don't get past that six months or past the year, um, and you know build our reputation and uh, you know hopefully this is the last job we ever do. You know we, we don't want to take on the world. We're not about to be stocking loads of stock and becoming a massive e-commerce or any of that. We're just going to have a shop, just going to fix bikes, and hopefully people, hopefully we do a good job and people will like what we do and uh, and the way that we do it. You know, and the, you know, not just the, the quality of the work, but the, the environment, the, you know, the, the, the shop looks nice and that they like us and get on with us, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, so cool. So you've been you've been trading since March, so you're very young indeed. Um, yeah. It was, full, it was a full-time yeah, gig then when you opened, so it was full-time from day one. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a part-time gig or anything like that. And you were talking about support and stuff there when you opened. So... Have the local riders given you support since you opened? Very much so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, um, so, social media obviously is great. So you know, initially it's people that know you that see you post stuff and go, oh, okay, you're doing that. Fantastic. Oh, I'll come to you, you know, and then starting to tell friends. And it's, uh, yeah, I think this is our 12th week of trading now. So, yeah, wow. it's, it's very early doors. Um we're, the road we're on is very busy. You know, the, the core the core market from the, the shop that it was before was you know lots of students, uh, lots of commuters, and we're on one of the main one of the four or five main routes in and out of Brighton. So we've got a lot of passing trade. So that's the kind of the core. And then the, the yeah the challenge is always going to be to build that and get the enthusiasts coming in. Uh, and we've already got you know a couple of people from one of the local road clubs people from one of the local tri clubs coming in, a couple of people from um, you know, other, the mountain biking groups as well that, again, have picked up on Facebook or have ridden past and thought, oh, I'll give that a go. And, you know, Brighton's, Brighton's a strong cycling city. There's a lot of bike shops in Brighton, um, and most of them have been around a lot longer than we have. You know, they've got their loyal customers. Um, it's going to take us 
time to you know to build that up ourselves and to you know, hopefully coach some of those riders along the way um, from other shops. But you know we're we're trying to do something a little bit different. You know we we don't sell bikes, so we can give quite good unbiased advice um, to people who are you know. Uh, you know, maybe have one have always been loyal to one brand but considering another but the shop they go to for their brand they've always been loyal to is is uh, you know they, they don't like the new bikes or whatever and they can you know they go to that shop obviously they're going to try and talk them into sticking with that brand whereas we can say well have you considered this have you considered that you know we're we're very much trying to tap into you know that business of all those people that are looking at things like Canyon and YT and thinking mm-hmm. Those are really good value bikes, and all the magazines say they're brilliant. But I can't go and try one out. And I, you know, what happens if something goes wrong? Because I can't. You know, my local bike shop is going to go. Oh, you bought that? You know, don't. don't yeah. We're going to charge you more, or we're going to give you a bit of attitude because you haven't bought your bike from us. And we, we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to say come to us. In fact, we've got customers coming in, and we're saying, you know, saying I'm thinking about this, and we sit down with them, and we get their laptop out, and we go, okay, you're looking at YT. Well, great, this is the range. What's your budget? You know, this is the size you should you should go for because we've got the experience of looking at people, sizing them up, matching them to the right size on a, on, a, on a given model of bike, and we can offer them the support. You know, that say, you know, bring your bike in. We'll we'll build it up to you. Completely open for you um, which is what would happen in a normal bricks and mortar bike shop where they've got a row of bikes every bike has to be PDI pre-dispatch inspection to make sure it's you know safe essentially but the brakes mm-hmm. yeah. don't skip and all the rest of it you know do they get that straight out of a box nine times out of ten maybe but it's just having that reassurance and then you can also say well while you're here let's do a bike here let's get the saddle set let's get the um, handlebars set for you let's uh, sort out your suspension as well get that set for you um and all we're charging is a labour charge, um, a, a relatively modest one as well. Um, so, but it's giving people that support that they're they're still saving money. You know, they buy their bike from YT and they pay us a few quid to check over it and get them set up correctly. On it. They're still getting a, a much cheaper bike um, for the spec than they would from you know one of your traditional you know track specialised giant whatever. Um, and uh, and then hopefully we can then win a customer because they've got somewhere to go to and we've, we've helped them out. Um, we're even giving people the option, and this this has happened already, that um, we advised the lady on what bike to get. Uh, she went away and thought about it and then called up and said, yeah, okay, I'm going to order it. And we said, look, if you want, get it delivered straight to the shop because we'll be here opening hours. Because when the delivery people come, they can bring it to the shop. You don't got to take a day of work to be at home. And then... Uh, you can come in, you can do the big unboxing, you can watch us build it, we can chat to you about all the things, point out all the little details to you. Once it's done, yeah, get the get the saddle hide, do a bike fit, set up suspension, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's great, it's fun, you know. It's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's not just doing punches all day long, you know, or cleaning dirty chains. It's actually, you know, getting our passion across. You know, we've, we've got years of riding as well as fiddling with bikes between us and uh, and you know, offering people insights, giving them tips and you know tips on where to go as well uh, to try their bike out and that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it's- yeah. So customer service seems very important to you there. Just listening to what you're saying and you're going above and beyond really what you're doing there for people and hopefully that pays off for you guys and you get return customers via that. Mm. So who, who is your typical customer? 
Um, I don't think we have a typical customer yet. We're, we're too young. You know, we've, we've got, yeah. when, we, when we first opened, the first, the first like, couple of weeks, we, like 99% of our business was the traditional business of, you know, just uh, students, commuters on normally quite um, low-end bikes because they've got to lock it up and they don't want to get it mixed, and often quite neglected bikes because they're in you know, day, daily use uh, in all, all weathers. Um, 99% of our business in the first couple of weeks was just that. The 1% was a mate who's a, a dad from the school gate that I know, uh, setting up a very important new set of fancy carbon wheels for his road bike and he wanted to set up tubeless. <laughs> you know, so one extreme to the other, you know. Um, but from that, we've just grown. And I would say we're probably about 50-50, the traditional, you know, just, you know, two, 300 quid bike that's, you know, mm-hmm one or two or five years old, um, need, needing a bit of work, um, to, you know, um, enthusiasts, whether it's road bikes or mountain bikes, um, but, yeah, doing more high-end stuff of, you know, where it's, you know, internal cable routing or it's, like, you know, getting the bushings in a, in a fork level sorted out or, you know, the, the, you know, brake leading, the kind of more high-end stuff that you get on the higher-end bikes, uh, which, are, you know, people ride, the sheer fun of riding a bike as opposed to um, to, just to and from work or to and from school, you know. Um, So, yeah, and to be honest, it's nice to have the mix, you know. Um, We we didn't want to set out our stall as just being, oh, we only deal deal with posh bikes. No, not at all. We deal with bikes. Um, Yeah, we love riding bikes. Um, And, you know, it doesn't matter to us what you're on, what brand it is, whether you pay, you know, £200 or £2,000. It's, you know, you're on a bike. That's that's pretty cool. So it's just get your bike working better and uh, and just show the love of it, really. Yeah, cool. And you you do different repairs there. Um, you do everything from a simple repair to to complete bike builds. Yes. Um, but what is your what would be your most common repair you carry out? Wheel shrinking. Because the roads are so bad. Yes, yeah. a lot of wheel shrinking. A lot of wheel um, But I, I mean, drive trains, really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the engine of your bike, isn't it? Um, and, and you know, it's bicycles, it's, it's all narrow chains, small bits of metal doing, carrying high loads, and everything's low to the ground and really exposed, so it's getting dirty. Um, and kind of person. So yeah, a lot of that, but a lot of wheel tree, a lot of tire replacements, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, we're twelve weeks in, and it's been—I think it's—has it rained at all since we've been open? Maybe once. Yeah. So you know, it's a come winter, it'll be different stuff. It'll be a lot, a lot more breaking yeah. and headsets and hubs. Uh, yeah, as the, as the weather takes its toll. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the, the drivetrain is the staple thing. You know, you. Any bike, whatever type of bike it is, a bike comes in for service. If it needs anything changing at all, it's going to be changing, changing the set. Um, yeah, cool. We change more changing the sets than we change brake pads. Um, just, just seems to be the way it goes. You've, you've done about fifty-five chains in twelve weeks. So yeah, and that's just wow. the six, seven, eight speed ones. Yeah, you know, that's just six, seven, eight speed chains. We've done fifty-five of them in twelve weeks. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So use your dab hands at that. That's for sure. And. I like the way on the website you do different packages. So you do like an MOT and you do this and that. Can you take us through what packages you kind of offer there? Yeah, I mean, we 
we try to make the, 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 the standard services accessible, basically. And obviously, we know we've got to be competitive. Um, we, um, you know, having been at Evans and other kind of prices that they're charging, we want to be competitive because we want people to come to us. Um, we, to be honest, it's, it's very rare we do a safety check. If someone's motivated to come into a bike shop, it's normally because something's wrong. Um, it's very, you know, an MOT is means you, you're not taking anything off the bike. You put it in the stand, you run it through the gears, you might make some adjustments to cable tension or limit screws. You can check the brakes, you can you can do a bit of tension on that. But to be honest, if a bike, if someone's motivated to bring a bike into a shop, it normally means that something's stopped working. Uh, it's not working as well as it should. Gears are skipping or there's a wobble or it feels loose or the brakes don't feel like they're going to stop. And that normally means that something needs to be replaced. And so it's, it's rare. In fact, I don't think we've done a single MOT since we opened. Um, <laughs> people might come in personally, one. <laughs> But once we've had a look at it and give it a check, and we say, look, okay, yeah, this bit's okay, but that bit really needs a bit of work. And so, you know, generally speaking, it's a standard service. But we don't, you know, if a bike needs less work, we'll charge less. If a bike needs more more work, we'll advise, we'll discuss it um, with the customer, and uh, and and you know, give give them a quote, and then it's up to them. And sometimes, you know, with a traditional customer base, sometimes it's like, look, okay, we can fix your bike. Any bike can be fixed unless it's had a horrible crash. Any bike can be brought back to life, but the cost of doing that, you know, only the customer can say whether it's worth that to them. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's like, look, it's going to cost you 150, 200 quid to, to really get this bike working properly because you need to replace that wheel and you need a chain and cassette and brake pads and all your cables and a bunch of labour and, uh, and there's a particular problem here for that. You know, so it's, we can do it. We're happy, happy to do it, happy to take the money, but... You know, if you love your bike, get it done. If you don't love your bike, you know, you could probably buy one of a similar value, similar level for that money. You might be a bit better advised to do that. Um, and yeah. and that's, that, that's us turning business away, essentially, um, because mm-hmm. you're not selling them a replacement bike. We're simply saying that might be a better option for your budget. Um, but, you know, more often than not, people, you know, it's, yeah, that we've had maybe... In all the services we've done, we've maybe had half a dozen of people who've said, actually, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate the advice. I'm going to take that advice, and I'm not going to get my bike fixed and take it away, and I'm going to go and get something else. Um, but you know, more often than not, people go, okay, yeah, I'd like to do that because I really like this bike, and it might look a bit tired or whatever, but you know, it's worth spending the money. And when they get it back, you know, it is like a new bike because everything that needs to be done has been done to it. Um, uh, so the standard service, but then other people don't need a standard service because they, you know, they look after the bikes. So we're saying, you know, mountain bikers are normally pretty good at, you know, cleaning the drivetrain, you know, getting some lube on it, you know, checking bolts, that sort of thing. But all of a sudden they buckle a wheel um, and they don't have a chewing stand and they know that their wheels are taking a lot of abuse. So then they, they'll bring it into us. So we can do that as a standalone job or we can do it as part of a general service. Um, and, you know, yeah, every bike's different. Every bike needs a different amount of work. So our price list is is very much just as a guideline. You know, it's uh, and our standard service we say fifty quid. Um, it is bespoke service. Yeah, it's uh, not every bike's the same, so every bike gets a different level of service. Um, but they all but they all end up in the same place. They all end up being really well worked on. You know, yeah. So, yeah. We, yeah, we're we're big advocates that a clean bike is a happy bike. You know, I've, I know. Having worked, you know, in various shops, um, 
a lot of people, a lot of servicing doesn't include cleaning. And so you, you pay your money and you get your bike back. And yes, okay, the, you know, the drivetrain's maybe been cleaned. But aside from that, everything's still a bit dirty and hasn't been properly checked out. It hasn't been given the love. You know, we yeah. try to service bikes like it's our own. Um, so it gets you know, it's cleaned, polished, you know, everything tightened, uh, you know, bolt check on everything with a torque wrench um, so that we, you know, that we're happy to go out and ride it. And we, we you know, when, when you're in the business of serving people and you, you're, particularly when you're starting out and you want, you want them to impress people, you know, we want people to come in and collect their bikes and go, oh, my God, I wasn't expecting it to, to look that good. Wow. That's <laughs> You know, and we, every time we go out the back to get a bike and bring it through and show it to the customer, we want them. Yeah, you know, we want that the eyes to widen, the jaw to drop, and the smile to hit. Like, oh wow, thank you. It's apart from anything else, there's nothing I'll make you go and ride your bike more than it is, looks amazing. And it's you know, the man is you, you've just paid this money to is really, you can tell he's taking the time, he's, he's giving it the love, and it makes you want to go and ride your bike. Essentially, I know when I service my bike, I look step back and I go, that looks wicked. Right, when's the next time I can go riding again? And that's exactly what we want to give the customers because they'll go and spread the love and they'll, people go, oh, my God, is that the same bike? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I took it down to the guys and rhythm of bikes. Take your bike there as well because the guys, you know, they, they'll do a fantastic job. That's, that's the best, you know, marketing you can do. Um, you, can't, yeah. you can't buy that. You've got to work for it, you know. And yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 So how, how does the process work then, guys? Um you know, how does the customer come in or, or how long do most repairs take and that kind of thing? How can they get their bike repaired off you? Uh, obviously, it depends what they need doing. Little repairs, we'll try and do, you know, like punch repair type things we will try and do while they wait if they want. Um, we'll drop it off, go and have a coffee, come back. Um, but then little repairs, we're, we're, we're pencil and paper. Um, so we have two clipboards by a till. Um, and one is a... A booking in sheet, like a job sheet, take the customer details at the top, what the bike is, and then we list the work that needs to be done. And this is what we use for giving quotes. It's what we do on the shop floor when people bring their bike in. Um, and then it's a question of, you know, if they want to go ahead, then it's a question of when. And then we have a, a schedule, which is a, a weekly sheet. Uh, we're only open five days a week, so it starts Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we, we book in slots. And that's this week. You know, we've only been open for three hours so far this week <laughs> and you see our schedule is already pretty good for today and tomorrow and we're booking into Wednesday and there's already something in for Saturday so and then just as an indication of how business has gone you know that's last week and we've got um, you know last few weeks we've got pretty full pieces of paper uh, lots of stuff crossed out um, but yeah we're, we're we're kind of old school so it's first names it's telephone numbers and uh Pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, it just works, you know. So um, uh, that's essentially it. So, um, you know, sometimes people come in because they think, yeah, I want to get my bike serviced. I'm not expecting it to be done here and now. So I'll just go and get some information, maybe get a price and make an appointment for, you know, the weekend or next week. Mm. Uh, great. Uh, but other people just, just rock up or sometimes people phone or people contact me at the website as well. We've had, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is quite good for that. We've had you know, a bunch of people booking through Facebook um, just because that's how they found out about us. And obviously you can message us through that way. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. It's very personal. You know, it's cool. It's more one-on-one kind of thing. I like that style. 
Well, that's one of the reasons, again, that's one of the reasons why we got into this, is because we just didn't like how we were spoken to in a lot of, um, in a lot of bike shops. Uh, you know, sometimes you can get talked down to, sometimes uh, the customer service isn't uh, 100%, well, not, not a priority when dealing with people. And we wanted to, because we both come from, I mean, he comes from the bicycle background, I come from... Uh, and, and other other types of customer service. I've worked in travel for years, and um, you know, we we firm believers of you know everybody does the same thing. If you're selling bicycles, you're selling bicycles just like the other guy down the road who sells bicycles, who's just like the other guy down the road who sells bicycles. Or if you fix bicycles, you know, uh, everybody does the same thing. But but it's how you do it that differentiates mm-hmm. you from everybody else. Um, and like Jez was saying earlier, we want people to come in here and have an experience, because it is an experience, you know. Come and say hi, ask for advice, um, sit and have a really bad cup of coffee while you know, paging through a copy of MBR or MBUK or Cycling Plus or something, you know, or asking questions about bikes and parts and things, because it's also it's a win-win, you know. The, the more enthusiastic people are about um, a specific mount for a fork, that is released only this year by a specific company means that it means it's it, it creates longevity for our business in the long run. You know, because mm. if people get enthusiastic about it, that means they're going to spend money on it um, and they're going to enjoy it, and that's that's that makes us happy. Mm. You know, we just want people to be happy on bikes because that's when we're at our happiest. Mm. And if yeah. our guys are watching, uh, we're happy at home too. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> and, you know. Is it, do you find it interesting how the how the bike maintenance thing is such a large part of turnover for bike stores, even shops selling bikes now? The maintenance side of it has become quite a large yeah. a large part of their turnover. Have you seen an increase in people wanting their bikes repaired professionally at that level? Yeah, I mean, yes. When I was at Evans, they 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 realised there was they yeah they were. They hadn't been tapping into that side of things, and they had a big push on their workshop services when I'm going back probably six years now. Um, but it's uh, it, it, again, it's the, it's the thing you can't buy online. So you know, any any shop would be crazy not to push the service aspect. That you know, because if you're a traditional bike shop and you've got rows of bikes and you've got you know clothing and helmets and shoes, you've got bucket load of money tied up in stock and every bike shop will tell you stories of you know customers coming in trying on the shoes trying on 10 pairs of shoes getting the right style getting the right size and going oh yeah i'll think about it which i mean is walk out the door straight on the smartphone find the cheapest offer online on google and buy it which is mm-hmm. you know the bike your traditional bike shop's got to work hard to actually get that sale because they've, they've probably obliged to sell at rrp at least for time and they've got to cover you know Rent and rates on a on a retail business, you know, it's it's that's the disconnect, and, that, and that's not just bike shops; it's, it's all retail. You know, we, we we shop online. We love the idea of having high streets and having local businesses and artisan stuff and funky independent coffee shops and all the rest of it. But we all shop online, and that's not a criticism; it's a, it's an observation. Yeah. We we shop, mm-hmm. you know, we we're on eBay, we're on Amazon. You know, that's it's just the lives we lead; it's the culture we're in. Um, so it's for a traditional bike shop that is a massive challenge, and I, you know, the, so they've got to push the service aspect because they want to get people back through the door massively. You know, the real, uh, you know, the real reason that bike shops offer the first free service after four to six weeks after you buy your bike is not really to check your bike out because 
The first free service, you do very little. You might put a twist on a cable, on a barrel adjuster, on a gear cable. I mean, that's about it. You know, nothing really happens to most decent brand new bicycles in four to six weeks. Um, it's not a service. It's just, it's essentially a bolt check. The real reason shops offer that is to get the customer back in the door so they can engage with them again. Go, oh, I brought you back. How's your bike? You know, oh, you know, you got your helmet. Did you get your lock? Or now do you need some, mm-hmm. how about some proper clothing? It's a, it's a selling opportunity, essentially. Yeah. It's, it's, they're, they're, they're desperate. It's, it's, no, no one gets into the bike industry to make a fortune. And even, like we said, you know, there's, there's big chains um, struggling. You know, you, you know, you hear on the industry kind of grapevine that, yeah, it's not easy for anybody out there, big or small. So, yeah, you've got to push the service side, and obviously that is, servicing bikes is is part of that. So, um, and I think maybe also, you know, the, the the growth in cycling over the last few years of enthusiasts, you know, people spending a lot of money on bikes. You know, a lot of money, more yeah. than a month's wage on bikes. So you got to look after it. You know, uh, particularly if you've got to justify it to your other half. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a new one. You look after that one. <laughs> so. Uh, um, yeah, the, you know, people, middle-aged men with lots of money to burn on fancy bikes, fantastic. Yeah. Hopefully they'll come and get them fixed. <laughs> That'll keep us in business. <laughs> yeah. And guys, you see with the technology and all in bikes changing so quickly now with suspension and geometry and everything else that goes on behind a, a really top-end bike, how do you guys keep in touch with all that stuff um, so you know how to repair all them kind of things? Um, I mean, in terms of repairing things, it's you, you know um, it, that, that's pretty straightforward because it's you know, the change always happens at the, t- happens at the top. Yeah, you know, it's it's not going to be Shimano Dior or Altus that you know comes up comes out with something new. It's always XTR where it comes out to and they do or Dura Ace or it's you know you know Shram Eagle or whatever. And there's you know, millions of pounds put into developing that stuff, and so it normally works pretty well. Um, and if you if you have a mind of how a bicycle works and how a derailleur changes gear and how the cable works on that, then it's it's not really a change. You know, there, there's it, it's the same thing, just more gears, wider ratios, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, when hydraulic brakes first came in, everybody had to learn how to do hydraulic brakes, but they, you know, to an extent, they all work in the same way it's just different versions of the same likewise with forks um so um i suppose the biggest change on that front really in recent years has been uh, electronic drive trains yeah um, so it's tooling as well um yeah and, and uh, yeah it's good it says you know if you've got the, the right tool to fit the thing so you can remove it or install it then you know if you've got the tool and you know how to use it then that's kind of all the training you need yeah um but the electronic gears are, are phenomenal you know they're it's such a weird way to work on a bike because there's no cable, there's no cutting this and, you know, seating your ferrules and, you know, plumbing stuff through. It's, uh, you know, it does, there's such intelligent systems that you, you know, a few very basic steps and then you run it through the gears and it kind of works itself out and it's, uh, it, it, you still get a kick out of it, you know, because it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and, then, and then the wireless stuff with SRAM is even more crazy because it's wireless, you know, it's, it shouldn't work. And then it's, you know, they're all developing their apps for the phones so that you can not only set them up, but actually set them up in a way that particularly suits you, you know, the, adjust the speed of the change or, you know, how many gears can change in a single push of a button and, yeah, that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's, it's that, it's clever stuff. Um, and also, you know, 
Shimano specific, you can, you, we, there is, um, we receive constant Shimano uh, training updates um, through their website as well. Um, so through the Sorte work. So, yeah, you're constantly kept, kept up to date with this to what, with their new products, how to service their new products. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, we're, we're bike geeks. <laughs> <laughs> so we read so magazines. We, yeah, and, you we know, read magazines. Yeah. We read things online. We we pink bike, yeah. track, You know, all the places that you know someone who didn't do our job but still loved riding their bikes would, would go to to for you know reading material and just out of just general interest. Yeah. On your lunch, you go on pink bike, watch videos, see the new stuff that comes out, and um, inspire from all the yeah. rest of it. So. Yeah, it's like, ooh, XTR 12 speed. Oh, you see the XTR 12 speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And and where do you see, what do you think is going to be the next big step in technology as far as mountain biking goes? E-bikes. E-bikes, you yeah, think e-bikes, so? I think it's just the accessibility of e-bikes. Because then it's just, going to lo- it's just going to lengthen the amount of time people are spending on mountain bikes. You know, so they're not going to get to a certain point in their lives and go, oh, I want to still hit the trails. I'm still capable, but my knees or my back or, you know, my ankles can't get me up the hill anymore. So, um, so yeah, I think yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to have a massive impact. Um, but I also think more trail centers, um, more and more trail centers every year are opening up around the country, which is great. Um, so that's becoming more accessible. So it's not just illegal single track that we're riding on the weekends. It's uh, proper controlled stuff. Um, yeah, accessibility. You know, if every, yeah. every single town had access to at least a couple of local trails, that would be mm. phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and that would, you know, where you've got people, therefore, in every location using it and getting into it and enjoying that and then starting to travel further afield. Um, I mean, where bikes will go, crikey. It's, wow. I mean, it's look at where they're going now. Look, I mean, look at Poles' new bike. Look at the machine. Mm. You know, the machine yeah. is more capable than most um, most downhill bikes at the moment, man. You know, and that's a 29 inch wheel, 180 mil treble. I mean, look at the, there's new, always new frame uh, for frame building techniques. They see and seeing their frame, which is. You know, five years ago, if you turned around to somebody and said, yeah, I'd like to see and see myself a bicycle frame out of aluminium, they'd think you were there was something special in your water. <laughs> um, carbon fiber is becoming more accessible. It's becoming cheaper and cheaper. Um, you know, so there's more levels of it. You know, Santa Cruz offer like, two or three different levels of, of, of carbon fiber as well as aluminium. So I think that's going to um, – that's also having an impact. Um because you know people are spending more money on bikes as well. So, but at the same time, bike prices are coming down again. I think you know, I mean, if you look at the the, the the bottom end of the full suspension mountain biking range at the moment, I mean, you know, there's some seriously capable bikes for a thousand pounds. Yeah, uh, you know the the, the, the might not be the lightest, but no. they'll give you a really good yeah entry point into the sport. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, which is great again because it's going to bring more people into the sport. We've spoken to a few people now where they've come in and gone. You know, I, I want to upgrade my bike. I want to keep my old bike, but I want to get something new. Um, and they look at the new bikes and they, yeah, more than happy to spend the one and a half two grand to get themselves. You know. 
a bit more of a serious machine. So um, that's that's happening. Um, there's and so many steel really as well. things. Yeah, it's steel. Steel, yeah. It just keeps on going, doesn't it? You know, that mm. production Privé. Um, yeah, they've got two amazing steel blacks, you know, Starling. Um, it full sus. Yeah. Stuff as well, the sick boys down in Worthing as well, the, the titanium and steel. It's uh, yeah, there, there seems to be a bit of a uh, an explosion of, of the, the smaller outfits that are yeah, mm. of, of doing a bit like what we've done, taking a hobby and, a, and an interest and turning it into a bit of a venture. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Dan Stanton's done phenomenally well, you know, and he's yeah, uh, yeah he's, I, I don't know about financially, but just in terms of launching you know coming up with an idea um that people like and then being able to go okay well if you like that maybe you like this and you know that working so now now i can develop that and you know bring yeah. production back into the country and do the full stuff stuff oh, it's fantastic you know yeah. it's it's interesting because it's you know otherwise we're all driving around and you know, riding around on the bike equivalent of a ford one day aren't we so it's uh <laughs> there's more exciting things out there and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with the Bike equivalent, which is probably a, a, a fuel EX or a stump jumper or whatever, you know, um, you know those are those are great bikes with you know thousands, millions of dollars of research put into them, and that, so they ride well, and you, you you get a lot of bike for your money. Um, but uh, but there are other things out there, and it's it keeps yeah. well interesting, you know. I was just going to say that now that because apparently biking is the new golf. Um, so guys are willing to spend money you know, on bikes and then show them off and be like, oh, what do you got? Oh, look what I got. And, you know, it's the, yeah, more and more mammals are also taking up uh, mountain biking now, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. More people getting involved. You can't complain of that. Um, yeah, uh, bikes are getting more capable. I mean, look at what cross-country bikes are capable of doing in these days. This is phenomenal. Mm. Uh, never mind, you know, the, the big travel, really long and slack bits and bobs. Look at the, you know, specialized scalpel, you know, BMC. There's just so many good cross-country bikes out there at the moment as well, you know. Um, yeah, amazing. I, I'm, I find it incredibly exciting. You know? Uh, yeah, I think it's an exciting time for mountain biking in general. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, cool. And something totally off topic. Where's that accent of yours from, Bruno? Is that South African? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Ah, got it right. Got it right. <laughs> well done. <laughs> that, that's cool. So, what brought you? What brought you to here then? Uh, DJ. Wow, really? Yeah, I thought I was going to come over here, a small kid from Africa, you know, uh, make it big time, be a superstar DJ and the girls and, uh, you know, the party. But yeah, no, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) It it turned out to be call centers and, um, uh, but it was lovely. I've been here 19 years, so this is my, um, this is home, you know. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, it's it's interesting because I've had a few guys on the podcast from East Africa, Kenya direction, um, but in South Africa, mountain biking's getting really big there. Yeah, very big. People are starting to you know. People are starting to take notice of what finally take notice of what Greg Minaj did uh, and what he has done for the sport. Um, also, you know, we've got prime mountain biking locations. I mean, you know. 
South Africa is ringed by a, a one long mountain range, essentially. Mm. Um, and it is becoming more accessible. The equipment is becoming more accessible and affordable down there as well because of the exchange rate and because of its isolation. To get a, a mountain bike, a fu- you know, a fully assembled mountain bike out to South Africa is a very expensive thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's not viewed as a luxury anymore. Now, um, from what I can, well, from what I've gathered, and then obviously more and more people are, are cutting trails. They um, watching what other guys are doing online and then applying it to you know their locale. Essentially, you know, I've got um, some. Uh, I've got a good friend of mine, Stephen Hoes, who lives in Johannesburg. Who um, they go out to. This little mountain range, like north of Johannesburg, um, it's like every, it's, sorry, it's almost every week I see he's posting something about him riding um, and really cool looking, dusty, fast, dry trails, uh, mm-hmm. um, pretty gnarly stuff. So yeah, I think um, it, it is. It is. Cycling's always been massive in South Africa. I just need to have. To, I need to say that. I mean. Mm. But road biking has always been a massive thing in South Africa. Some days the roads are just full of roadies. Um, but now it's great to see mountain biking getting somewhere. Uh, yeah, cool. I think it's because of Greg, though. Greg is a major, major influence in that. Um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Good stuff. Good. Well, let's chat a wee bit about the future for Rhythm and Bikes. Um, I know you're... Are you going to attend any race events or anything like that around the country where, where people can get their bikes repaired from you guys? This is something we have discussed. You know, um, you know, there's, there are local mountain biking events that we'd like to get involved with in the future. Mm. Um, we found it, uh, we, we also thought that it would be really important for us to establish ourselves um, first. Um, and then start exploring the option of, of um, you know, being part of events and all that. But obviously, you know, that's um, that's one of our main priorities is because, you know, mm-hmm. we are very much part of the community. We want to be part of the community. And then being part of local events is being part of the community, you know. Um, and then being nationwide, yeah, I mean, most definitely, Um you know, who wouldn't want a, a, a presence up at Fort William once a year, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> or on the sure. downhill scene or, you know, it's, uh, but that is definitely something we will progress into. Um, sorry, Jez is yeah. actually, he's, he's, he's nipped off helping somebody with a, with a problem on you. Yeah, that's grand. That's all right. No problem. Uh, yeah, because I've, I've had the Make Monkey guys on the podcast um, a couple of times now, and they have a repair store in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have seen it grow, and they're very busy. And they go to the local enduros and the local events, and it really helps them out. It, it does really well for them. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have enough of the enduro events around here. So we've got something called the Big Dog which happens once a year in August. Uh, that was actually set up by Morvello in 2008 mm. so that they could sell T-shirts, <laughs> apparently. Um, and it's just exploded. It's doing very, very well. That takes part in, our, in at Stanmer Park. Uh, and then we have things like the South Downs Classic. Um, I think Evans runs a couple of bits and bobs down here. But we don't, as far as I know, um, we don't have any uh, local downhill um, I don't think it's because it's, it's not gnarly enough. 
a mountain yeah. big enough, unfortunately. Uh, we try our best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just, well, that's it. You just you keep going, and at least just guys are getting out there and doing it. Exactly. That's, that's, that's it. what it takes. Um, so, yeah, yeah. If, if there ever was some, you know, something big or just something, anything to come to Brighton, we would want to be involved with that sort of thing. Uh, whether yeah, it be road or mountain cool. bike. Yeah, most definitely. That's cool. That's cool. Well, listen, I've taken up quite uh, enough of you guys' time there, and uh, I'll let you get back to building bikes and stuff. But how can people best get in contact with you or find out more of what you do and, and how they can, can help and stuff? Well, uh, Instagram. We're active on Instagram. Um, you can get hold of us on Facebook as well. Just everything with Rhythm mm-hmm. Bikes. Um, you can email us directly at info at rhythmandbikes.co.uk or jez at Rhythm and Bikes, or Bruno at Rhythm and Bikes. Uh, we've also got our website. You can get in touch with us via our website. You can give us a ring. Old school, baby. You know, we do that too. <laughs> so that's Brighton 01273 Um, You know, we are – and we, we, we pretty good with getting – with you know, if you get in touch with us online, we're pretty good with being in touch pretty much straight, straight away, you know. So uh, – yeah. um, yeah, we, you know, that's the thing. We need to be connected, and you know, yeah, it's just it's silly not to. Uh, no, cool. And I'll put all your links and stuff on the show notes so people can get quick access to them fantastic. and see what you guys are doing and stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks. Thanks very much for coming on. I know Jez is busy in the background there, but um, I'll, I'll just go through I, and then you can say goodbye as well. But thank. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. Cheers, just wants to say goodbye. Cheers, Gareth. Cheers, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I appreciate it. No worries. Take care, mate. Good stuff. Good luck in the future. Thank you. Bruno, thanks very much. I, I appreciate your uh, your your words and, and coming on the show. It was really good That's, to speak to you. Thanks, mate. Gareth, really, thanks for your time. And uh, really, um, it was an absolute pleasure. Anytime. No problem. I'll speak to you guys again in the near future, I'm sure. Awesome. All right, all the best. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's another episode done and dusted, folks. Episode number 49. I hope you enjoyed it. And Jez and Bruno, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to chat to you and I hope everything is going well for you. I know we did record this four or five weeks ago, so I hope everything has been going well for you over the summer and business is running nice and smooth for you guys. So thanks for coming on again. I do appreciate it and thanks for the chat. I really enjoyed it. Now, folks, if you want to get more involved with Jez and Bruno or find out what they're doing, you can visit the website and check out the show notes. All the links are there to the guys, bits and bobs and social channels and stuff like that. So just simply go to mtb-tribe.com and you'll be able to search for the show notes there. You can also get involved via social media. Instagram and Facebook is at mtbtribe. You can also get in contact with me and the show just via the website there's a contact sheet on there drop me an email and let me know of anybody you would like to hear from on the show or any topics you would like covered on the show and i will do my best to get that sorted for you again you can also subscribe to the show get a wee bit more insight into what's happening and what's coming up in the near future so that's it for episode number 49 that is a wrap as they say i just want to say thank you for being here Thanks for reviewing the show on iTunes and for getting involved. I really do appreciate it. It's what makes this show happen, really. It's to get the word of mouth out there, to get people off off the sofas, on the bikes, and let's keep enjoying this mountain biking game. 
it's such a passion and love for so many people and I am just just I just appreciate being being involved. So thanks folks for being here. Thanks for downloading the show and I will see you next week for another interesting MTB Tribe podcast. It's a really good one. You may know the guy that's on it. Um, I really enjoyed chatting to him. He's a real top lad. So I will speak to you next week on the MTB Tribe podcast. <laughs>